There we go. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to talk about where we work, where JB and Sister Kohler and myself work. Um, but uh, let me, I'll tell you a little bit about our software, just a little bit. It's called Margin Minder. And uh, it is, um, uh, Sister Kohler could talk more about it than I can. I, I know generally, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, it takes all different databases that companies hold and, and uh, it manages the data and it, you can run reports and uh, you can look for outliers, et cetera, et cetera. It is very complex. It's a complex software. It is not Excel. It is not just access database with a bunch of views. It is complex. And, and one of the most difficult aspects of our software is that the people who, who use it don't use everything about it. It would be like you or me using Excel for a grocery list and thinking, I know how to use Excel. I know how to use Excel. I know how to, you know, take the top two, you know, the top row and highlight it gray and then all the other stuff under that and I'll put, you know, bread and milk. How do you use Excel? That's like many people who use our software. They, it, it, they don't use all the aspects of our software. Uh, it's amazing the things that our software can do. It, it really is. Uh, but what I've heard from trainers and salespeople is what happens is that companies don't use it the way it's really supposed to be used and can be used. And so they, they at times get frustrated because they're not using it the way it can be used. If you were to buy Excel off the shelf, I don't know how much it is, $190 perhaps. If you were to buy Excel off the shelf and you only use it uh, for your grocery list, you would think that you got ripped off. You, you didn't, you just don't know how to use the software. It's the same way with God's word. If, if we just say, well, I know God's word. I know, you know, John 3.16, I know, right? I know Acts 2.38, I know Isaiah 9 and 6. I know God's word, and yet, and yet it doesn't seem like you're being blessed by God's word. It may be you're not using it enough. It may be because you think you know it, you think you're in it, but, but you're just using Excel for a grocery list. Amen. There's so much to God's word. There's so much to it. Amen. There were, uh, <laughs> I thought this was funny. Uh, it's, a, it's a joke. There were two garment workers in New York City. I don't know if I've told this one before. And, uh, you know, it's coming to my mind. I might have. So I'm sorry if I'm telling it again. And they, uh, one said, you know, I went hunting in Africa last year, and I, and I hunted an elephant. And, uh, and he said, well, did you get an elephant? And he said, no, I found it. I found an elephant, but he charged me, and, uh, and uh, my gun jammed, and I was killed. And the, uh, the cutter in the garment factory said, what do you mean you're killed? Uh, you're sitting right here living. And the other man looked at his scissors and his needle and his fabric and he said, you call this a living? <laughs> Exciting things happen when we are living in God's word. When we're living in God's word. 
I, I tell you that if, if there is something that you do eight hours a day, what's the rule, the 10,000-hour rule? If you do something for 10,000 hours, you are an expert at it. I've talked about this. The Beatles became experts at music because they went to another city, and the band that was playing at the spot where they had gotten one night's worth of music, that other band, something happened to it. And so they asked the Beatles if they would stay, and they would play like three licks, is what they called them, in a row. And then they, the, the other band, whatever, broke up. And so they asked the Beatles to stay and keep playing. And the Beatles played at this place in this town. They played every night and every day. I believe it was for a straight year. A straight year. And they became experts at music because they played for 8 to 12 hours a day for 365 straight days. Imagine that. It, 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 there's a great book out there by Malcolm Gladwell about about this, about becoming an expert at something. Church, you want to become an expert at living for God? Get in his word. Live in his word. Live in his word. Amen. Live in it. Jesus said to Satan in the wilderness, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I was thinking about that. That's good stuff. Because, because bread, it doesn't, bread doesn't, if all you eat is bread, you're going to be breathing, right? Your lungs are going to fill with air. But I tell you what, you're not going to be real healthy. Bread's not really good for you. I mean, you you know, all in moderation, you know, you probably should have a little bread, a little grain here and there. But it's really not good for you, right? Uh, uh, you can live, but but Jesus said you shouldn't live by bread alone. You should live by the word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Sure, we survive, our lungs fill with air, our heart beats, but church, if we are going to live, we've got to live in God's word. That's really living. People who live by this world's values, what they seek is a happy life. They seek a rich life, a fulfilled life, and the psychologists and the... And the uh, and, and uh, the analysts and the counselors are forever trying to find something that will make that person happy or make that person feel fulfilled. And so the ultimate goal is personal pleasure, self-acceptance, uh, to be happy. And I know that there's a place in society for psychologists and, and uh, et cetera. I know that, but, but church, uh, spiritual wounds do not heal themselves. Spiritual wounds grow arms and legs and get worse. They do. We need Jesus Christ. We need the balm of Gilead. We need the permanent power of God's spirit. Because church without God, without God, the, the psychiatrist is going to take your money and try to just rearrange the chains. Really. Just rearrange the chains so you feel a little better. But without the power of the Holy Ghost, we'll never be healed. The, the, it'll just grow tumors. That's all that'll happen. It'll just get worse. The Spirit of the Lord was upon me. I love what Jesus says here. 
Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. I love that bruised. Amen. That hidden wound that, that, that's under the surface. It, the, the, the capillaries have exploded under the surface. You're bruised. He can heal those hidden wounds of life that we have. If the Spirit of God is, is permanent, then its work is permanent. But we've got to remember, church, that, that, that God has told us that, that we've got to trust Him. We've got to believe Him. I've preached it here, I guess, Sunday. Amen. We've, we've got to realize that we're just clay. He's the potter. Amen, and that he is doing something in our lives, and that when he's finished, it, it, it's permanent. Amen. It's permanent. I believe that he can heal us permanently, that he can touch our hearts permanently. Oh, pastor, you don't know how bad it was as a kid. I know, but I'm telling you, he can heal that permanently where it never has to come up again. Because church, if you don't allow him to heal that, it will grow legs and arms. Amen. I love God's word uh, I, more than anything because it's where we found salvation. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Boy, if I tell you what, that's an incentive. Anyone here want to be healed? I know I do. I know there's some things I want to be cleansed over. I know there's some things I just wish I could start over. But I tell you that the knowledge of being saved is enough. It's enough. If he never heals me, if he never answers a prayer, if he never allows me to have a new beginning anywhere in my life, Amen. We were joking at work today. Uh, uh, it was, uh, we, we were in, at lunch. I was drinking my protein shake. And uh, somebody came in and wished, wished somebody there at our lunch table, happy birthday. They said, happy birthday. And Mike said, oh, thank you, thank you. And then they turned to Jay. And said, happy birthday to you, too. Their birthdays were one day apart. And Jay said, thank you. And uh, Jay said, I, I, I really wish, I, I, I really don't like this day, actually. You know, and I said, yeah, I, 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 wish, my, I wish birthdays didn't exist. I don't, I don't like remembering I'm growing old. And then Mike said, I love birthdays. I love it. And I said, well, why? He said, because I'm this close to retiring and it's, it's telling me I'm almost there. It's, I thought, that's good. And I said, you know what? There is one more thing in life that I can look forward to. I can look forward to retiring. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Church, this is my point. If there is nothing else in our lives that we can look forward to, obviously I'm joking. There's a million things I can look forward to. 
But if there's nothing else in your life that you feel like you can look forward to, you're safe. There is one ultimate thing that we can all look forward to. Amen. Standing around the throne. Amen. Worshiping our creator. Thank you, Lord. I can't wait. The word of God helps us to be healed. Psalms 107 and 19, then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saves them out of their distress. He he sent his word, verse 20, and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. I love the story of the centurion in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. And when Jesus was entered in Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. I'll come to your house. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak thy word only, and my servant shall be healed. You know where I'm going with this. For I'm a man under authority. I have soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go. And he goeth to this man, come, and he cometh. And my servant do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled. And he said to them that followed, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, I have not heard or found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And he said to the centurion, Go thy way as thou hast believed, so be it done to thee. You know the story. And his servant was healed that selfsame hour. The the centurion knew his servant who was sick could be healed by Jesus coming to his house. No. Jesus, I don't need you to come to my house. Because he was a man of authority. I'm a man of authority. I'm somebody who tells people, you go, they go, you come, come. Uh, Jesus must love me better. He must love me better because I've been blessed financially. I've been blessed in leadership. I've been blessed this way or that way. So that means Jesus loves me better. No. He believed he could heal his servant because he had faith in his spoken word. Jesus, just say it. Just say it. And he'll be healed. We apply God's word to our lives because we have faith in his word. Uh, We have faith in it. And that same faith comes uh, uh, with healing. James 5 and 14, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. In the prayer of the faith shall save the sick. And the Lord will raise them up. Amen. Ye shall receive power After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so the Holy Ghost gives us power. Listen, church, there was a day before the the upper room experience in Acts chapter 2. Not everyone had the Holy Ghost. Not everyone had the experience. As a matter of fact, it was a very unique, special experience if you had the Holy Ghost. John John was baptized with the Holy Ghost in, in, uh, in... in Elizabeth's womb, uh, 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 David was moved on by the Holy Ghost. But you don't, you don't read of people being filled with the Holy Ghost. 
until until the acts experience. Amen. But church, when that acts experience happened, Jesus said it in Mark 16 and 16, the Holy Ghost would give us power over devils, drink poison bitten by snakes, and you aren't going to die. Now, it doesn't mean we should all go out and get some Kool-Aid and taint it with poison and say, cheers, right? It doesn't mean that we should all go out and buy a box of, of rattlesnakes and pick them up in church and dance around and say, I've got power over rattlesnakes. I was reading here in the last last couple years, it was on my uh, the Flipboard News feed that there was a, a, a church in Arkansas where the, the pastor's son got bit by a snake, right, and died, died, and they asked the pastor, you know, don't you think that you were tempting the devil by that? He said, no, it must have been God's will, and then I think he even said, you know, I, maybe my son just didn't have the faith, you know, I thought, oh, Lord, listen, if, if you bring a snake in here, I'm running, if you bring a poisonous snake in here, I don't mind gardener. But if you bring a poisonous snake in here, I am not going to go pick them up. Amen. I'll protect my. I'll protect you as much as I can. But but we're getting out of here. Anyone here want to go ahead and try to handle the rattlesnake because of Mark? You know, um, sixteen sixteen. No. But the point that Jesus is making here is that there is a power that we have that if we run into a situation where somebody's given us poison or or we're bit by a snake, for example. He's talking about, you know, in this time period, we know that that happened to Paul right on the island of Melita. You know, the, the snake held onto his hand and he shook it off into the fire and they looked at him and they thought, he must be a god because he's not dying. And he he, he uh, witnessed to them. There is a Holy Ghost fire. There's a Holy Ghost power that is mixed when we mix it with obedience to God's word, there is something that happens that is otherwise untapped. I, I wrote that specifically. It's otherwise untapped. It is like it is it, it is like a a jug of water, amen, that, that you still can't get to until you tap it. You know what I mean? So you tap it. Uh, uh, till you put that, that, that fountain, that spigot into it and turn that spigot on. It, it, it remains untapped. There is a power of God that, that we can tap into church when we are believing his word, when we're trusting his word, when we're living for him. Amen. I tell you, the Sadducees, they, they thought they knew scripture. They, they claimed they knew it. And yet they were questioning Jesus. And what did he say? You do err not knowing the scripture. You know who you're talking to, Jesus. These are, these are the ones who really know the scriptures. No, no, you err not knowing the scriptures. They thought they knew. But they weren't applying God's word to their lives. Romans 6 and 17. But God be thanked that you are servants of sin. But you have obeyed from the heart. The form of doctrine which was delivered to you, being then made free from sin. You became the servants of righteousness. When you obeyed from the heart, the form of doctrine delivered to you. Amen. Free from sin. Free from sin. Lord, help us to apply your word. Help us to apply it. In Jesus' name. Have you ever been to a hospital and you... Perhaps you see an elderly person walking through the halls and they've got this 
modern machine, you know, on four little wheels, and they they're 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 they're, they're pulling a, a pole that has you know uh, that has a, a bag of who knows what's in that you know uh, medicine and, and whatever and and uh, that that machine it's giving them their heart rate, it's giving them their blood pressure, it's giving them all of these readings. And uh, in church, you, you, you know, you've seen that, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and that person, that elderly folks perhaps, they're not going to let go of that machine because that machine is telling them everything. That machine is giving them their, 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 their reading. It's almost like, it's almost like they feel like they're going to die if they don't have the machine, right? Vital sign. And so they're careful. They're careful with it. They got to stay close to it. Church, we can treat God's word that same way. Walk with it. Amen. Walk with it. Study it. Love it. Amen. Read it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Devote yourself to it. God has created us in a way where we need them. We, we're dependent on God, and so we, we attach ourselves to his word. I, I said this in the last couple of weeks, church. God is silent many times. He's silent many times in our lives. That's why we read his word, because his word's not silent. Amen. We learn how to live for him through his word. So, so I just love it. Amen. There is a, the Bible is like an invisible cord of love and grace and goodness that attaches us to the Almighty. Amen. It's, it's, it's this machine. Amen. I can't go anywhere without it. I feel like my life, whether it's a success or failure, is going to be based on, on how close my life is to living God's Word. Amen. Church, read it. Whether you can, whether you can only read it for five minutes a day or a half hour a day or... or Wow, you'd be blessed for an hour a day. I read his word. Read it. There's this young boy who went to a secular college in England. And the father, who was proud of the boy, but at the same time, he was worried about the boy's consecration. They were Christians to God's word. And he feared that the boy would get into, you know, the secular teaching of the college and that he would, uh, the college would question everything about his faith and one of the books of the bible that that is one of the first to be brought up in uh in secular humanism is jonah the book of jonah you know it's 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 fanciful it could not have happened could not have happened he could not have lived in the belly of a fish or a whale for three days uh, etc and so the father said to the boy don't let them take the book of jonah from you don't let them take the book of jonah and he joked you know and the boy assured the father as he was leaving for college, Dad, they, they won't. I'll be okay. Don't let them take that book. And so every once in a while when they would talk, the father would say, Do you still have the book of Jonah in your Bible? Do you still have the book of Jonah in your Bible? And, uh, and the boy said, I do. I do. So when the first year of college was finished, they sat down to eat dinner. And uh, the father remarked, well, son, did they take the book of Jonah from, 
And the boy retorted, Dad, don't you know the book of Jonah is not even in your Bible? <laughs> His worst fears had come true. Could they have convinced you of that, son? So the boy went and picked up his father's Bible and opened it. And the father was shocked to see that the book of Jonah was not in his Bible. The boy had carefully cut out the pages of the book of Jonah so it wouldn't be there. And the boy handed those pages. He had put them in a secure spot. He had handed, he handed the pages to his dad. And he said, Dad, what difference does it make if they try to teach it away if we don't read it? Because you can stand here all day and tell me, do not forget the book of Jonah, and you haven't even read it in years. You haven't even read it. Strong point, right? I tell you, church, you can say all day you believe God's word. <laughs> Said it a million times. You can snore in Hebrew and snore in tongues. I don't care. But if you aren't in his word, if you aren't looking into it, reading it, studying it, amen, devoted to his word. I don't care how much Hebrew you know. It doesn't matter. We've got to be in his word. Amen. It cannot be the most, it can't be, you, it can't be the most numbered book you have in your home, yet the most unread book you have in your home. I was thinking, we had a, and we threw away a bunch of books, or, or no, I donated them. Uh, but we had the Left Behind series. Remember the Left Behind in that series? Oh, we had that. We had that whole series. They were good. We read them. Amen. But uh, after we all read them, they stopped being read. They were, they, so we had a whole series of books unread. Can't be that way with God's Word. Got to read it. Got to read it. We got to discipline ourselves to read it. We got to be determined, determined that that our beliefs are wholly based on God's word, wholly based on it. Uh, I, I'm sure I shared this uh, with you a month or so ago. I had a conversation at, at work about what we believe, what we believe, and uh, I said, "Well, it's just simply if it's in God's word, we believe it." No, if it's not, we, we don't believe it. Uh, it was about Lent. Lent was brought up. Do you, do you celebrate Lent or whatever? No, no, not really. Well, why not? No, it's, we don't see the first church celebrating Lent, so we don't. Pretty simple, pretty simple. Because uh, church, if your beliefs are, are solely based on what a organization believes, or what's preached over a pulpit at any church at any given time, but it's it's not based on God's word. Amen. You're you're in trouble. You're in trouble. This is what God's word does. Isaiah nine and six. We all know, we all know uh, the scripture. Uh, John one and one says, "In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God." Right. So when you take Isaiah nine and six, and you just you just 
replace Jesus with the word. For unto us a word is born, unto us a word is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Church, God's word is the Prince of Peace. When we apply God's word to our lives, we, I mean, outside of healing, outside of being blessed, outside of Salvation Church, we got peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding, right? When we, when we, uh, when we are praying, and I want to end this just about the Bible and prayer. Uh, when we are praying, uh, uh, thy kingdom come, the word of God says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I want the peace of God. Amen, to reign in my life. And it will reign in my life when I'm in his word, obeying his word, studying his word, and when I'm praying, right? Amen. What comes to your mind when you hear the word prayer? Prayer is, it edifies us. We, we I don't like using the word pride, but, but we pride ourselves in, in, in saying how we do things the biblical way, Right? We do, uh, for example, baptism. We, we don't sprinkle babies because that's not how they did it in the Bible. Right? It's just as an, exa- as an example. We, we baptize the biblical way. We studied and we see how the first church baptized. And so that's how we baptize. Right? But church, do we pray the way the first church prayed? Because they were prayer warriors. Every one of them. wasn't just one here and there. They, they knew how to pray. Matter of fact, God expected his church to be such prayer-minded individuals that he called his house the house of prayer. Not the house of worship. Not the house of, you know, holiness. The house of prayer. Of course, we've got to have worship and holiness. But, but church, we... We have good reasons to pray, and they're better than the reasons we don't have to pray. I don't have time. That's not a good enough reason. You've got to make time. Because our lives are like a, a, a battery. They're like a battery. And, and there's, there's two types of batteries. There's the general battery that is for a cranking you know, it's a cranking battery where it puts out a lot of power, you know, for the first 30 seconds, but it, it'll die quickly. So it needs a alternator attached to it so it can be recharged quickly. And then you have what's called a, uh, oh, I can't remember, the deep, a, a deep charging battery, I guess, where a deep charging battery doesn't have the power to crank over a motor, uh, but it, it stays charged for a long time until you use a deep uh, a, a deep charge battery for like an electric motor uh, that you're going to be using for a long time, 8, 10, 12 hours in a day, that battery will last that whole time where a, a, a uh, cranking battery won't. Uh, do you know what I'm saying? But church, either way, however, whatever kind of battery you are, uh, you're going to die. You've got to be recharged. If you are a cranking battery, you've got to have something attached to you to recharge you. If you are a, a, a deep 
battery, you, you're, you're going to die after eight hours. And you're going to have to be recharged. Our lives are like these batteries. We've got to have the Holy Ghost every day recharging us. Every day. Because life does nothing but drain us. I'm church, I'm not just speaking from experience. I know I could get, you know, 10 or 12 amens, how many are here tonight. God, life, life just zaps us. It, it takes away our energy. And we are recharged through prayer, re, recharged through God's word. Amen. The temptations of life take away things. And the problem is, if we don't recharge, if the only time you recharge is when you're in church, the only time you recharge is when you're in church. You've got to find better time. You've got to find more time. You've got to find more time to pray, more time to worship, more time to, to, to spiritually recharge yourself. I tell you, church, the greatest way to recharge yourself is find a place, get alone with God, and just pray. Just pray. Amen. Be realistic. Pastor, I can't pray 60 minutes a day. Well, then don't. Pray 10 minutes. But pray and commit yourself to it. I'm going to pray every day. I'm, when I wake up, I'm going to pray. Train yourself. There's books out there galore. I have books in my library on how to pray. The prayer ward, the intercessor. Pray every day. The frequency is important. Every day. Pray without ceasing. That didn't mean pray 24 hours a day. I've told this story so many times, but it's just so funny. I can't, I'll never forget it. We were uh, with my mom and dad. My wife and I had just gotten married, whenever it was, and, and my mom said, I pray every day. I pray, I'm praying 24 hours a day. I said, what are you praying right now? We were at dinner. What are you praying right now? I'm praying that I don't choke on this food. Come on. I said, that's ridiculous. When Jesus said pray without ceasing, he meant the frequency of it. Don't just pray here and there. Have a devotion time. Pray without ceasing. Pray. Amen. And you'll find that your duration, that the 10 minutes isn't enough, that it becomes 15, that it becomes 20. In church, pray with intensity. Once in a while, just be intense in your prayers, right? Be active in them. Amen. Amen. And church, I know life is busy. I know. Walk around. If you fall asleep when you're praying, walk around. <laughs> right? Make a prayer list. I don't know what to pray for. Well, make a list. Write it down. This is what I need to pray for. Uh, don't say, God already knows what I'm going to say. He's, he may know what you're going to say, but he still wants you to pray. Right? It builds up our faith. Jude 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up unto your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Sister Bag, if you could come. It keeps us from temptation. Prayer keeps you from being tempted. Matthew 26 and 41. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Prayer brings down the flesh. We pray to receive help and grace from God, Hebrews 4 and 16. Therefore, let us draw nigh with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Prayer, it, it, it reaches 
It reaches the sick. We read that. James 5 and 13. Is any among you suffering? New American Standard updated. Then he must pray, it says. Let's stand. Is any cheerful? He must sing praises. Is any among you sick? Call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him. Amen. Church, last of all, prayer brings you blessing. Just like God's word brings you blessing. They, they go together, prayer and God's word. They really do. John 15 and 6, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, he says, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Amen. Church, how do we abide in him? Through prayer, through his word, through being in it. Amen. Because church, anyone can live, but we got to live. We got to live in his word. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word tonight, for the power of prayer, the power of praise. Amen. Lord, you are a prayer answering God. I know sometimes you say no, but that's all right, Lord. That's all right because we're saved. Hallelujah. Lord, every day I want to call on your name. Every day, Lord, I want to recharge my spiritual battery, Lord. There are some things that zap, that take its energy immediately, and then there are some things that are slow drain. But, Lord, one or the other, when it happens, God, I, I need the charge of your spirit. Hallelujah. Bless this church. Bless everyone that's here tonight, God. If they're sick, heal them. Lord, if they feel cursed, bless them, God. Hallelujah. As they apply their lives to you, Lord, Lord, apply your power to them. In Jesus' name. as we dismiss Lord amen we don't we aren't going to let church be the only place we praise you we aren't going to let church be the only place that we get into your word or the only place that we pray hallelujah we are going to dedicate our lives a daily daily devotion of prayer and word 
Amen. We commit to it, Jesus. We thank you for everything you've done for us. Bless everyone that's here tonight. Amen. You're good. In Jesus' name.